This is wow. the big one. Uh-oh. This is the big boy we're coming to next. William Saliman. Uh-oh. St- chapter three, page one, 72 point font, cop troop zone. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Jacob Rees-Mogg's introduction to the piece. And don't worry, we're going to define all of these terms as we go through. Mm. He's certainly fucking not. Thuggy did not exist. And it never existed. No, it was merely the product of lurid Victorian Orientalist sensationalism. Ooh! Mm. This, this, is, this is the spectator article yeah. phenomenon, isn't yeah. it? Where he's about to say, he's saying the right thing for the first paragraph. Yeah. Because we'll get to what thuggy is yeah. in a bit. Because it's true. It was the project, a product of the Victorians being lurid Orientalist sensationalists. Mm. Which they, is definitely the bit about the Victorians that Jacob Rees-Mogg doesn't like. So, mm. he continues. In case you hadn't gotten that in, from the in, previous bits. In defining what Orientalist means, he says, the, the Western Orientalists were capable of all kinds of wickedness in the form of tales, stories, and accounts. Their intent being to criticize and patronize Eastern civilizations, to diminish them in the eyes of Western readers and consumers, and in so doing, to justify Western predation, exploitation, settlement, and theft of their land and assets. Okay, hence, so ho- justify on, the things on. that I've already said are good. Hence, yeah, thuggy, hold on a second, hence, though. Thuggy was a concept that had to be dreamed up because Indian civilization had to be labeled as violent, murderous, and beyond that, the pale. That's that's why uh, well, beyond the pale is a good word, though, because like that mm. was applied to colonialism in Ireland, the pale being the pale of settlement around Dublin, uh, beyond which English law did not apply, and you could just do whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, my... <laughs> Clearly, the, the, this is the, this is the important bit to me because it means that he understands uh, how bad faith this is. Like all of the primary mm. school history stuff, yeah, whatever, fine. But like, he's not stupid. He's just summarized in a sort of arch ironic tone what Orientalism is, and he's right about it, which means he knows what he's doing in this next bit that's coming up, where I'm sure he just takes a giant shit on the whole concept. Oh Christ! So he could. Have stopped here. Mm. Yeah. But then how would this great book have been written? All absolutely fine. What an interesting thing to have written. Go ahead. I see Mm. no reason to assume this will not continue in the same vein. (laughs) (laughs) Thus runs the prevailing academic (laughs) approach to the phenomenon of thuggy and its untold thousands of victims. Put forward by certain people from the early 20th century (laughs) who I won't uh, name. Yo, why, why, why are the victims untold? Like, mm. it, just just told them. Like, yeah. at, at least people on Twitter will be like, yo, um, Stalin killed 11 trillion people. Like, that's... <laughs> told. So, mm. why lift a finger or a pen to combat the actions of such murderers and villains when one could instead avert one's eye and rationalize them out of existence? So that whole thing we said about Victorian Orientalists up at the top? Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's why this is so cynical, right? Is is that he included that first part. He didn't need to. He could have just gone with, this thing was real and it was bad and it killed 11 trillion people. Uh, but it, instead he had to have this like little aside to get his dig in at Lytton Strake and whoever else. And it just, it just shows how false and how venomous this whole book and person is. Yeah. And also the whole thing is he says, okay, 
his his argument here is just ignore the stu- uh, the first stuff about how people invent insane stories to justify imperialism because ignoring the insaneness of the story that we're about to tell to justify imperialism you're the real racist what if the thuggy uh, killed a billion indians okay, <laughs> you'd feel yeah. pretty bad then what the fuck so what was thuggy i'm gonna go now nate i know you know so i'm gonna start with milo what do you think thuggy was um, a kind of a very early Indian SoundCloud rapper. Are you doing the startup round with Thuggy? <laughs> yes. Uh, Nish, what do you think Thuggy was? Well, I'm assuming it's going to be a not particularly complimentary depiction of one of my forefathers. Uh, sort of. Yeah. It is the Thuggy were seen as a uh, they were a a murder cult. That existed up and down all of wherever the British wanted to go take stuff. Coincidentally. What a coincidence. Mm. And the way mm. to understand it is it's essentially the knockout game. It's it, it's pure knockout game stuff where it's you make up a myth that the people you want to police are doing. And then you say, well, they're doing it. And if you don't believe they're doing it, then you must hate them. Right. So this is from other sources. In the 1820s, Captain William Sleeman had made the first discoveries of strangled travelers in shallow graves around Madras, and his just dry mm. reports of these things ended up being sensationalized and exaggerated to create a moral panic all around the English-speaking world about a murder cult in India called the Thuggy. Yeah, because Jane- you, you can't, like, rob and murder people uh, for reasons other than cults. Especially, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, especially if you have like uh, whatever like phrenological configuration yeah, a, we've decided. It's a melanin thing. As, as yeah, we know, these guys can see my skull shape. Yeah. I'm wait. I'm moments away from forming a cult. Wait, the British <laughs> Empire was a cult. <laughs> uh, so James Sleeman, writing about his grandfather in the late Victorian period, described the thuggy thusly. The taking of human life for the sheer lust of killing was their main object. The plunder, however pleasant, being a secondary consideration. Here Yo, was no body of killing so much. Here was no body mm. of amateur assassins driven to crime by force of circumstance, but men of seeming respectability and high intelligence, often occupying positions of importance and responsibility in normal lives, secretly trained from boyhood in the highest degree of skill and strangulation. <laughs> Yo, they were doing Assassin's it's Creed one shit. strangling operations. So, so basically, Fuck. Britain, a country that famous for fucking highwaymen robberies, thinks that in India they rob people not not because they want money, but rather because they're all part of a ninja cult. So, <laughs> to explain that, kids, God's they, laws, I they do like they, they they have kids throwing fucking ninja stars and climbing rope ladders when they're five, yeah. Yeah. not These. to take money, but just for the love of the sport. So, uh-huh. so it's fox hunting, but for people. So. It's what we. This is the real history of it, or as close as we can summarize, mm. which is that this is just disparate populations of, as you said, Nate, bandits and highwaymen pushed to crime frequently as gangs of demobilized mercenaries who were made necessary by British destabilization of the region um, as they fostered internecine war between emirs and maharajas and stuff. Think of them as like the Indian condottieri. And there emerged this myth of a sacrificing cult of murderers devoted to the killing of travelers as a ritual to appease Kali, necessitating ever more British law, which, by the way, is good. And that's where we get the word thug. Fucking hell. L- love, to, love, to, love to murder to appease the, my, like, uh, so, strange exotic goddess or whatever. So, keeping an eye on the time, I'm going to talk Sleeman. Mm. William Sleeman, Jacob Rees-Mogg writes, was almost a prototype Victorian. <laughs> so, almost. Almost a prototype Victorian. All, so, Wait, we so know he's what like this a means. pre-prototype. Well, yeah, it's like, well, he's a prototype Victorian, so we know what that means, obviously. Yeah, Don't even yeah. need to say it. He's and, like a back-of-a-fag-packet drawing yeah. of an idea <laughs> well, for a Victorian. Well, he's almost that. Yeah. Uh, so, his success exemplified that great, if unsung... Victorian virtue of sound, strong administration. No, that was pretty sung. Here we go. Hold on. on. This is is another one of my favorite lines. It shows this was a a first draft. 
The a great if unsung Victorian virtue of sound, strong administration. Indeed, he was a classic administrator. What? Those, those two sentences both go together. <laughs> this is like this is like uh, if you just took the fucking uh, the music off of uh, like uh, HMS Pinafore or something, right? It's like he's the yeah, very, very modern of a modern major administrator. Well, no, it, it, uh, is, it is. It's like it's got choruses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the tasks he accomplished would stay accomplished. Jesus what? Christ. And stay accomplished. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the thuggies the seem to no longer have been murdering Patterson. people. This is what would have happened if Hamilton had been written by white people. <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 yeah, it's like the thuggy are no longer murdering people. We've gone back to good old British gangs of bandits. <laughs> this is the mm. very idea of being a good Victorian. Uh, so he was a good Victorian administrator in as much as his job was to administrate in Victorian times. And boy, was he good at it. <laughs> how fortunate. And this is Jacob rees again. How fortunate, how providential that such a man was on hand in the subcontinent to take a look at India in the round and to oh, identify thanks. precisely those Ooh. aspects of its life and character that must change. Look at oh, India oh. in the round. God. And that's where he gets to the thuggy. He was so a McKinsey he- consultant once again. Yes. Like he, mm. he identified externalities such as the stranglings and uh, like right-sized them. Uh, cool. So here's here is the here's mm. another here's another really good bit of history writing. We're gonna do a little bell when we have the best words in any history book come in. Sleeman's part in encountering and then exterminating the thuggy came about by chance. He happened to be on the spot when several incidents occurred. Uh, history bell here. On the other hand, perhaps fate or destiny had ordained precisely that Sleeman be on that spot. <laughs> <sighs> what? <laughs> you know, fate, destiny, <laughs> these historical concepts. Again, <clears throat> concepts that make sense if you're writing to yourself to fill yourself with a purpose that's been robbed from yeah. you by your sociopathic father. But concepts that don't make sense in the context of an academic history book. Oh, that uh. is superb. <laughs> uh, for it needed such a man as he to deal with a situation that so many before him had failed to resolve. Uh, anyway, I love to write a history what? book that includes the phase, phrase, perhaps fate or destiny. <laughs> our, our apologize to friend of the show, Eleanor Yannicka. I'm sure you've torn yeah. out your AirPods at this point. I, I love to I love to show up, show up in a country and just start a load of murdering and then be like, damn, someone's got to do something about all this murdering. <laughs> oh, my God. So, it, it is very similar to, like, planting a gun on somebody, right? Like... Planting the thuggy. (laughs) So he says, they were noted at the time as being closely shaved and oiled all over so that if caught, they could slip (laughs) on your dress. (laughs) Truly, friends on the cricket team. Truly the original smooth criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Fellas, fellas, is it gay to be smoothly oiled all over?